Welcome to Maximize Your Influence, your resource for the top persuasion, influence, and negotiation techniques that will help you maximize your success in life and business. And now, here are your hosts, Kurt Mortensen and Steve Olson. Welcome to episode 110 of Maximize Your Influence. I'm Steve Olson along with Kurt Mortensen here. Kurt was kind enough to run the show last week. Was it a complete disaster, Kurt, or how did it come off? Oh, it was only 2.75% disaster. Oh, good. <laughs> but we got it done. We made it happen. You have the good news. You want to tell everyone and remind them what happened? My wife had a baby last week, and mm -hmm. it was... <laughs> if you've ever watched the comedian Jim Gaffigan, I'm about to channel a little bit of Jim Gaffigan. My wife had a baby. It was our fourth baby. <laughs> Never much applause after that one, says Gaffigan. <laughs> and he also uh, he said something like, if you want to know what it's like to have four kids, imagine you're drowning and someone hands you a baby. <laughs> well, congratulations. It sounds like fun. You've got a whole tribe over there. Uh, yeah, but, it's, uh... it's a little out of control over here. But yeah, we're done. Shutting it down. <laughs> uh, happy to have the latest edition. And, and uh, he's a good baby. My youngest son is not handling it great. He's in full-on rebellion. Uh, mm, the rebellion mode. I remember, uh, I think it was my daughter sitting on my new son's head because she didn't want him anymore. <laughs> so <laughs> kind of got to watch that a little bit. There's a lot of emotions and feelings going on. <laughs> yeah, they don't quite get it yet. Yeah, they, they have their own ways of coping, and it's not always pretty. <laughs> well, congratulations. That fun. We... Had a great podcast last week. At least I thought it was good. I was in Dallas for the weekend enjoying the heat, but I'm back and we've got a new podcast for you. Back in a new podcast. And I'm a little rusty, everyone. Climbing back into the saddle here and hosting the show again. Excited to be back. We've got some good stuff to cover today. And it's fall. It's starting to kind of chill around here, at least where Kurt and I live. And football's going. I've put on probably 10 pounds last week with all the food people have been bringing over. So it's been great. But yeah, we got to get back to work here and we want to start. I don't imagine you voluntarily on your own queued up the Urkel last week. I think you took the week off. You called it. I said, Steve's not here. I'm not playing it. <laughs> <laughs> I played something else. I think I played the dun dun dun. Oh, geez. But anyway, yeah. But for you this week, since your new dad, here's Urkel. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> The sheriff's back, everybody. Oh, you know, man, I just, just thought I could get away with that one. Running wild like my son, you know, no rules. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I seem to be the one that really takes this show off the rails. So <laughs> yeah, I'm giving myself too much credit here. There is a great article I want to talk about, though, published by a Harvard Business Review. I love it. It's a fantastic article. It's called Dishonesty Pays Off in Negotiations If It's Done in This Particular Way. <laughs> so apparently they've found the loophole of the century and found out when we could lie without any consequences and get really good results. Or have they? Let's see. Okay, go a couple of clips from the article. There are lies of commission where false information is passed. And there are lies of omission where information is passively omitted. And then there's a third, trickier type of deception called paltering, actively using factually true information to mislead somebody. Paltering may be a common negotiation tactic, researchers at Harvard's Kennedy School suggested in a working paper first released in late 2014. It can work extremely well, they found in a series of studies led by Associate Professor of Public Policy Todd Rogers. 
but paltering can also backfire when people seem to dramatically underestimate how badly others will react when they're found out. Here's a great example, Kurt, from the article. Back in the, in the late 1990s, the newsman Jim Lehrer from uh, Neil Lehrer NewsHour interviewing President Bill Clinton. And in the late 90s, we had one of the craziest uh, political scandals ever. So here's, here's a few clips. See if you can catch President Clinton. In this case, many people on the other side of the political debate who didn't like Clinton, they had a nickname for him called Slick Willie. And it was, uh, I don't think anyone could argue with me that it was stuff like this that led to that nickname. Jim Lehrer, no improper relationship. Define what you mean by that, President Clinton. Well, I think you know what it means. It means there's not a sexual relationship, an improper sexual relationship, or any other kind of improper relationship. Jim Lehrer, you had no sexual relationship with this young woman? President Clinton, there is not a sexual relationship. That's accurate. And that's the end of the clip. Here's the summary. You know what he was saying, Rogers told courts. He was truthfully saying that there is no relationship, but he knows the audience would hear it as there never has been. He was saying something he knows was true that would actively lead the audience to a conclusion that is false. Paltering is interesting because it's both more common and harder to catch than other types of deception. 22% of executives surveyed told researchers that they palter in most negotiations. Nearly half said they do so in some cases. Now, the article continues to discuss the fact that people actually, when they find out that you have used paltering, they become more angry than when they find out that you used an outright lie. That's pretty interesting. Mm, yeah. I think it's just more, it's more de deceptive, right? A lie, granted, <laughs> it's a lie. It's by its nature deceptive, but while you really blatantly tried to use the truth and were much more malicious in concealing it, when you use paltering, I think that's probably why people get a lot more mad. What do you think? I think it's the lie versus the preconceived, thought-out, creative lie. Okay, there you go. <laughs> is the difference between the two. And one, I guess they take the, the outright lie a little bit better than the other. Yeah. Okay, premeditated lying, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. So it actually does work quite well but you better hope that it never comes back to get you. And that goes back to so much of what we talk about on the show with negotiations, dirty deeds, and this tactic and that tactic and short-term results. Really just depends on what you want to do. And I, I just don't think that there's such thing as short-term results anymore with how connected the world is. This stuff is always going to come back and get you. Yeah, we see that all the time with back mock negotiations. People go for the jugular, they got to win, but... So many stories, so much history out there where that one person, you stabbed in the back, you got what you wanted, they're now your boss, you're now negotiating with them, you're running across them, they know somebody who knows somebody. We're so interconnected now, you cannot think that way because it will haunt you. Yeah, yeah, okay. Well, that's the article. Kurt got through it with the geekiness, actually had some useful <laughs> input, we appreciate it. And we want to jump into the show. I know last week, you talked a little bit about how we tend to create our our own objections or our own resistance. Does that have anything to do with maybe you think that your product is too expensive or maybe you think it's not the best on the market. So you're sitting there pre-solving that objection over and over again when that's just in your head, it's not in the prospect's head. That's exactly what's happening is that you're pre-solving it, you're bringing it up, they never had it. But even worse on the mental side, when you talk about the psyche, it's interesting when you look at two persuaders, same lead, same scripts, they're having different objections. They're handling different objections. And what it came down to is that, and make sure you write this down, persuaders, is that the objection you get the most 
is the objection you still have. Let me repeat that. The objection you get the most is the objection you still have, meaning the one that scares you the most, the one you're afraid that's going to come up, the one that you still have keeps manifesting itself somehow. For example, you mentioned price. If you don't believe your product's worth it, you are going to have price objections. You need to understand if that keeps coming up, you need to resolve that objection within yourself. Then it won't keep coming up. Then you won't have the same challenges. It's probably a trivial recommendation, but we've said it a lot on the show. So, so many of these types of problems, the between the ears problems, are solved when you're selling something you actually like and have a passion for. You like it, you're passionate, you use it. You've heard becoming a product of the product. All those things are, are important. And going out there and finding the success stories and finding the, the testimonials, and that's a big challenge with customer service a lot of times, is they are only hearing the negative stuff. And so a lot of times you got to let them know, for every one negative, we're getting a thousand positive. And a lot of times that happens when you're out in the field talking to people. You focus on all the negative versus finding all the positive. Yeah, that's tough. I have a sister who works in customer service, and, and let's just say nobody calls her to tell them good job. <laughs> it just right? doesn't happen. Hey, I just used your product, and it worked flawlessly. Thanks so much. <laughs> <laughs> just doesn't happen. Hey, I, I turned the key on the car, and it started. Really appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've had flight attendants on Southwest Airlines say a couple of times when we land, we'd like to point out our on-time arrival to Houston or whatever. We'd like you to tell your friends how on time we are, because we know you tell them when we're late. That's <laughs> so true. Yeah. So true. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Anything else to kind of finish off last week's show about creating our own resistance, our own objections? No, those are the big ones. You're creating your own objections within your mind. A lot of times, if one prospect says it, doesn't mean they're all thinking it. But a lot of times, when we've heard it, we think everyone's thinking it. We bring it up and we give them all these objections that didn't even exist. Be very, very careful with that. Mm -hmm. That's right. Okay, good stuff. Well, we're, we want to go into objections a little bit more today because occasionally on the show, we like to give you something useful. <laughs> <laughs> and we try to make it timely because there are trends, there are things out happening in the marketplace that you're all dealing with that sometimes they're going away. Some objections that we used to have just don't happen anymore. Others get more intense or maybe new ones emerge as technology changes and the market changes. And one objection that we notice that people are getting more of and that they're having to start to deal with in different ways, and you could phrase it a, a bunch of different ways, but it's the I want to think about it objection. And this is probably one of the most frustrating, right? Because you feel like as a, as a persuader, there's nothing you can do right then. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what they want you to think. There's nothing you can say or do right now. This is out of your hands. And this is all totally contrary to everything we've learned about persuasion and influence. Things like, oh, too much money, or blah, 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 all that stuff. At least you feel like there's a conversation to be had right there on the spot. But I want to think about it. It's hard. And the reason we're bringing this up is because prospects are getting much smarter. They're getting a lot quicker at coming up with this objection due to all the data and all the information that's out there. In fact, I've got an app on my phone. Uh, that I can scan a barcode at a store and it'll pull up where it's for sale within a certain mile radius and what the prices are everywhere else, <laughs> right? We have so much more information at our fingertips where people can do all this research, they can collect all this information, yet the whole fundamental side of this has not changed, which is that these higher-end sales, if, you know, if you're in the commodity business, it's not, not as much and that's what you don't want to be in. If you're a persuader in the commodity business, that's a tough place to be when people are just bidding based on price. 
But sales, big sales, are made on relationship and they are made on people skills, yet prospects are, are bucking that. They're trying to buck it and kind of go to, hey, I want to I do my research. I want to get online. I want to go look at reviews. And hey, part of me says there's nothing wrong with that. I do that too. But how do we ethically manage that so that we're not losing sales that we really should be getting? What do you think, Kurt? I think the first thing we need to do is slap all the bad persuaders out there that buy this objection. Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> because they've trained the prospect to say it, even if it's not even true, and they buy it and say, oh, okay, well, then call me next week. And the prospect says, okay, and you never hear from them again. <laughs> so that's the first challenge. The second challenge is it's that knee-jerk reaction. How do we know if it's a true objection or if it's a knee-jerk objection, right? Maybe they are looking for an easy way out. Maybe they don't see the benefits. Maybe they're talking to other people. Maybe it's an analytical personality that needs to think about it. So that's the first thing we need to think about is let's find out if is this a true objection or is this a knee-jerk objection? Because if you're solving the wrong objection, they just set it for fun trying to get rid of you and you try to solve it, it's not going to help anybody out. The best way to do that is when they say, well, I need to think about it, just pause. Say, okay, I can understand that. Just let them see that you're accepting a little bit. Then you say, great. Well, help me out. What exactly are you going to think about? It's such a great question because it's going to tell you a lot. The first thing, if they go, well, everything, <laughs> you know that you've blown your presentation somewhere. It's a smoke screen. There's something else going on. If they say, well, the shipping, the warranty, the interest rate, the square footage, that really helps you out because you know exactly what the objection is and you're able to work with it and solve it and either give them some breathing room or solve the objection right then and there. It's true. I mentioned on the show a lot that I deal a lot in real estate. And one of the things I do is I help people buy income producing properties. And a lot of times I get the question or the stall and it's perceived on my part of, well, I'm not ready to do this right now. And there's so much more to talk about when somebody tells me that, mm -hmm. because what does that even mean? Right now? Sometimes it's like you said, it's, I uh, just the whole thing. Well, that means I gave them the creeps. <laughs> That's what really happens, right? <laughs> That's right. You, so trust connectivity issue there. They're trying to run. So that's important to know too. Uh, yeah, yeah. We've all been guilty of, uh, of dishing <laughs> out the creeps from time to time. Other times, there literally is a, a very good objection here. Right? I had a guy the other day that was in the process of changing jobs, and he didn't know what that was going to do to his ability to qualify for a loan. He wasn't trying to put me off, right? But... When I, when I probed tactfully a little bit after he said that, then we went from, hey, I'm going to go over here in the corner and I'll get back to you, to we're working on this problem together, right? We're on the same team, and I was able to give him some recommendations and resources, and he was very happy and very grateful, and I got the sale. So a fair summary of what you've said so far, Kurt, is when they tell you this, don't just buy it. Otherwise, you're going to get on the slap list because we're making that. The persuaders were going to go slap that are buying this, you've got to hang in. You've got to ask some more questions. That's exactly right. Because when it's a smokescreen, when you're solving our objection, like I mentioned, it just makes it worse. And that's a big challenge. And so you could also do some humor here. And it depends on the personality, the situation. If you think you've given the creeps or not, like you mentioned, sometimes you can say, okay, great, I can wait. And then just kind of look at them. <laughs> and that'll tell you a lot too. Or sometimes I've even used, well, wait a minute, are you trying to get rid of me? And uh, it's interesting to see those that backpedal a little bit. Then some people that'll say, well, yeah, <laughs> well, you know, I appreciate your honesty. And that's good to know, too. And 
that is a big issue. When you can use humor, find out exactly what's going on. And I love to do what's called that double take that I mentioned earlier, that when people have an objection that's, well, it's too expensive, I want to think it over, they're expecting a lot of resistance. And you can say, okay, that's fine. I can understand that. And then kind of go into solving the objection. It kind of reduces the resistance a little bit. When you do this, make sure you maintain the eye contact, sure you, look, you are maintaining that trust, but your goal here is to find out, okay, is this a true objection or knee-jerk objection? Then you can move on. And you do have to have that mindset, right? You, you can't have the mindset of, okay, yeah, this person's obviously shining me on and I'm just going to make them feel stupid and they're going to want to do business with me, right? <laughs> Which has never worked in the history of the universe. Now, I think we've all probably done this a little bit where you have a prospect that you know you're not going to close in a million years. And we've all had a little bit of fun <laughs> with that <laughs> prospect before. It uh, reminds me of a persuader that you and I both know. This guy was a stone-cold closer on the phone. Very, very good at what he did. And I saw him do this multiple times, and I would just fall on the floor laughing. Whenever he'd get a couple on the phone that was a very religious and he'd come down to the close. Hey, it's time to do this. And occasionally he would get the, I don't know if you want to call it an objection, but they'd say, well, we really need to pray about this. Mm -hmm. And he would say, sounds good. I would too. I'm going to go grab a Coke and I'll come back and let me know what he said. <laughs> <laughs> so there he's literally go. making it look like I'm going to go out in the hall of the vending machine. Guys are going to be on the horn praying while I do this, and I'll come back and you let me know what answer you got. Just, I don't think it ever worked. But it, <laughs> it was pretty funny. Not a very tactful way of, I mean, and that's just another, I want to think about it. It's a, a derivative of that. Sure. Uh, maybe that's the thing. It probably worked for him once, but the other 20 times it didn't. So that's another thing we have to be careful. Just because it worked once doesn't mean it's going to work again and again and again. And remember the mindset here. We just talked about this. Whatever the objection is, this is a good thing. They're asking you a question. This is good. Nothing's worse than an indifferent prospect that won't ask questions. It gives you nothing. They're giving you something here. This is good. Don't get upset. Don't change demeanor. Don't get mad. This is a good thing. And treat it that way. It'll make a huge difference in your success. I agree. I agree. Anything else that we should be aware of in this whole, I want to think about it. I'm going to go do research. I think that any good persuader knows that if somebody gets online and they type in my product into Google, they know pretty much what's going to come up. They know what are the bad reviews, what are the good reviews, what are the competitors' ads that are going to come up with. That's pretty common. We got to know those things. How do we get out in front of that stuff? Any advice there? Well, sure. You need to either inoculate them or prepare them what they're going to find out there. But you also need to plant that seed. And you see great negotiators do this when they say, well, you know, um, there's other offers, there's other bids, other people are doing this. You say, well, you know, we've been through a lot together. I've done this, this, and this. Just promise me I'll get the last look, right? Meaning, yeah, hey, yeah. you're going to find other things. You might find something cheaper. I'm here to compare it. I'm here to walk you through it. I'm here to consult you through it. Just give me the last look. Let me help you out. I will let, let you compare this to this. And I will be your consultant. I will be your expert. Just give me that last look. Give me the last phone call. Give me the last way to do that. Get the yes from them. And that makes a big difference in the very end when you need to talk to them again because they promised last look. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The uh, sales training company, Sandler Sales Institute, calls that wimp junction. When <laughs> you're, you're there and, and this is a decision that is being made where who's going to be in control of this sales cycle? 
the prospect or you. Mm-hmm. And that that ultimately is what's happening. If the prospect thinks that they've got all these sales guys on strings like puppets and they're going to play them all against each other, right? Obviously, they're in control. But what Kurt is saying here is, give me the last look. You're saving that ammo to know that, hey, once they've talked to everybody else, I'm going to come in, I'm going to use my relationship to lock this down. Because if it becomes a call this guy, then call that guy, and then call that guy to tell him what that guy said, you're toast. You're completely toast as a persuader and you don't stand a chance. But when you're the last one in line and they trust you enough to concede to that, you've got through Wimp Junction successfully and you're probably going to get that deal. And that's what you're looking for. And it could be as simple as, hey, it's going to be confusing, a lot of things out there. Give me that last look. I'll walk you through all the proposals. I'll let you know the pros and cons. I'll help you out. I'm your consultant. I'm your trusted advisor. That's good stuff. That's good stuff. Why don't we queue up the blunder? Oh, Homer, give us the sound. Don't, don't, don't. There's the sound. And I think this is you, Kurt. This is a pretty creepy blunder. Yeah, this is a very creepy blunder. So kids are playing out, live on a cul-de-sac. They're playing, coming in, and they announce that there's a strange man looking at everyone in the neighborhood in this white van. (laughs) So concerned father goes out trying to figure out what's going on, and he's kind of looping around doing some different things. And on the side of the van... In spray paint, it says tree cutting services. <laughs> I bet the penmanship was immaculate. It was just beautiful. I don't even, there's probably even a spelling error there, but it was just tacky looking van going around, and they were obviously looking for trees to cut and haul away. There was a little trailer in the back with stumps and a few trees, which was, I give them two points for social validation. It looks like they at least cut down one tree, but the challenge, even bigger than that, even the guy was creepy and freaked out my kids. And had a terrible sign spray painted on the side of this van. I noticed that the whole side of the van facing me, all the windows were broken out. (laughs) Every single one. Why? Because a tree had hit the van right in the middle. And there's a big dent (laughs) on the (laughs) roof of this van where a tree where they had cut down had hit the van, smashed out all the windows. And they were going around with their van trying to get more business when it was obvious they couldn't even stop this one tree from hitting their van what's going to stop them from having a tree hit a house so there my friend (laughs) is the weird strange creepy blunder of the day (laughs) yep you can tell that's so bad that the guy just doesn't even know that he's doing it he had no idea he was going to offer a great deal and he was going to find people to cut down their trees. But I'm just saying, you, you can't even stop a tree from hitting your car. <laughs> <laughs> Not to mention the creepy, you're freaking out my kids thing, but that's a whole nother story. So there was like three or four blunders there all wrapped into one for your enjoyment. Yeah, that's right. I mean, <laughs> if somebody ever, ever got past the whole Dateline NBC to catch a predator <laughs> objection, then the fact is, well, you're going to, Cut the tree into the roof of my house? <laughs> yeah. Or are you just thinking, well, I'm glad you used your carb to absorb the shock. That was really nice. Oh, yes. Yeah, I'm he sure just did that uses it as a, whatever they call that, where they mask the tree in. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Oh, man. Well, that's good. That's classic uh, creepy blunder. Did you get the phone number? We'd like to give the guy some free advertising. <laughs> I could barely read the phone number. That's a whole nother issue. <laughs> <laughs> and there's no guarantee that that clunker of a van is even going to make it to the next appointment. Yeah, I'm sure they were bonded and they could take care of any damage. But yeah, yeah, I'm sure they were and licensed and everything. It's too bad. Somebody has that kind of a van for a reason. It's it's a, <laughs> it's a hard cycle. He couldn't afford another van. I get it. Points for trying. Yeah. But man, oh, that's tough. That That's kind of, you know, you want to park it up around the corner and just go door to door. 
There you go. Don't <laughs> and and knock, and then you know they only see the van after the credit card imprint is taken. <laughs> if they're taking credit cards. <laughs> yeah, I I don't imagine they are. <laughs> this is a cash deal. Well, that's a fantastic blunder, Kurt. Thank you for entertaining us with that. <laughs> My pleasure. All right. Well, everybody, that's going to do it for the week. Remember to follow us on Twitter at InfluenceMax. That's our Twitter handle. You can also follow us on our Facebook page. Did you get a picture of the van? That's the kind of stuff that's got to go up on a page. <laughs> I ran out for that very reason. I'm like, oh, that was a blunder, and I didn't see him again, so sorry about that. Well, I've got a good one from Tijuana that I'm going to put up. It requires a little bit of a thick skin. Maybe you and I need to discuss, but it's fantastic. Just a, a classic trying to persuade in another language and not understanding what you're saying. Yeah. So, and, and you can just imagine Tijuana and everything that, that entails. So this one will be good. I'll put it on the Facebook so that only the people that really care and have the thick skin are going to go find it. <laughs> oh, there you go. All right. <laughs> yeah. So that's it. And everybody, uh, we all we appreciate everybody that gave us the reviews on iTunes. It's been a big help. That's fantastic for us. That's where you can listen to the show, subscribe, and every time we release a new podcast, it will automatically update to your phone or whatever iOS device that you have. You can listen at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. Or you can subscribe through Windows if you're a droid person or one of those, which it's been documented on the podcast that I am not. I should probably learn how to say what to do in droid world, but I, I don't know yet. So that's it for now. We appreciate you listening. We'll catch you next week on another episode of Maximize Your Influence. Take care, and we'll see you next week. 